0: Welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary. I'm Father Reed. This week, we have one of the great weeks of the entire year, Holy Week. Holy Week. Okay, maybe some of us don't know what Holy Week is. Holy Week is the beginning of the week, which is Palm Sunday. And there are uh, scriptures in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that talk about Jesus going from from Jericho up to Jerusalem. Jericho is low, Jerusalem is high, and he goes in and there's palms waving and they're excited about him being the king. And at the end of the week, Good Friday, he dies. And on Holy Saturday, he's buried. And on Easter Sunday, which we will celebrate next week for Easter week, he's risen from the dead. So remember I've told you that in the daily lectionary, we start on the Sunday and we go to the Saturday. So we're going to do Holy Week this week. We'll do Easter Week next week. Now, in Holy Week, we're celebrating the last week of Jesus' life as he goes into Jerusalem. And we have uh, Maundy Thursday, where he celebrates the Last Supper with his disciples on Thursday. Liturgically, you celebrate that on Thursday night. And then on Friday, he's on the cross. And we have series of services usually from 12 to 3 o'clock. He dies at 3 p.m. He's taken down from the cross and he is buried in a rich man's tomb and uh, he is uh, buried and um, he is dead through the end of Saturday. So when you look at the uh, program today, uh, the scriptures in our program, you will see many different scriptures for the week. So I'm going to just kind of lightly go over each of them very quickly with you. And what I would encourage you to do as part of your Lenten discipline, which I hope that you've uh, done well in the last five weeks. Remember, Lent is five weeks. And then we have Holy Week. And then we have Easter Week. That you've had a wonderful uh, Lenten season. And we culminate with Holy Week. And these scriptures are gonna focus um, very much, and we wanna focus on Jesus's last several days, and his ministry, and of course, his death. So we start in Zechariah 9, 9 through 12. In Zechariah chapter 12, look at 9, 9. 9, 9 through 12. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, Shout, daughter of Jerusalem, see your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. That's Palm Sunday. That's him going into Jerusalem. That's Jesus going into Jerusalem. And so then we have uh, 12, 9 through 11. 12, 9 through 11. Look at verse... 10, and I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one they have pierced. Now we're talking about his death at the end of the week. And mourn for him as one who mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. Now let's go down to chapter 13, verse 1. On that day, a fountain will be opened to the house of David, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem will cleanse them from sin and impurity. So, Zechariah is a very interesting minor prophet because he has this incredible scripture about Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem, which he's going to, this is where he's going to die. And remember, Jesus chooses to die in Jerusalem. Of course, that's God's will, but he could have stayed away from Jerusalem and they wouldn't have killed him. And of course, at the end, of the week we celebrate his death. Jeremiah 12, 1 through 16. We're back in Jeremiah. Remember, we have been in Jeremiah for some time. 1 through 16, you are always righteous, O Lord, when I bring a case before you, verse 1, yet I would speak with you about your justice. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all the faithless live at ease? Why, why are the faithless doing well? Why, why are the wicked doing well? And of course, that week, it looks like the wicked are doing great because Jesus dies at the end of the week. Okay? You have planted them. You, they have taken root, verse 2, chapter 12. They grow and bear fruit. You are always on their lips, but far from their hearts. So they're talking about you, but they're really not interested in you. Why, why are they prospering? Why are they doing well? It's a great uh, scripture to... Uh, think about uh, during this Holy Week season. Look at uh, Jeremiah 15, 10 to 21. So we're going to stay in Jeremiah. Remember, Jeremiah is lamenting the fact that the people uh, at that time are not following the Lord well, and he is very much concerned about that. He says at the end of verse 10 of chapter 15, yet everyone curses me. Everyone curses me. So remember, the people turn against Jesus uh, for on Good Friday, and of course, at the end of that day, uh, in the afternoon, he is crucified. Chapter 17, five through 10. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, verse five, who depends on flesh for his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. So we see the cursing of God for those who trust in themselves, and the blessing of God, verse seven, for the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. In one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, chapter 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things who can understand it. And beyond cure, who can understand it? So. That's certainly one way to explain what happens on Holy Week. Verses 14 to 17. Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me and I will be saved. You are the one I praise. So there needs to be a focus on what the Lord is doing, even though it looks like, as we see at the end of uh, Holy Week, we see that you know, things have gone desperately terrible, have gone dangerously terrible, have gone worse than we thought, even though Jesus told them three separate occasions he was going to die. But with their hopes dashed, there's an evaluation of the way we see people now and the way we see man, and then we have to evaluate the way we see God. Jeremiah 20, 7 through 11 on Maundy Thursday. These are the scriptures in the Daily Lectionary on Maundy Thursday. Oh Lord, you deceived me and I was deceived. Verse 7, you overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Sounds like Jesus, right? Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. Now, that's certainly true from Jeremiah. But here's Jesus sharing the word of the Lord with people. And they in the the end, as you know, they kill him. They crucify him. He dies a horrible death. If I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a burning fire, verse 9 of chapter 20, shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. A great scripture for this week. A great scripture from Jeremiah for this week. All right? On Good Friday, we look at the book of Wisdom, which is in the Apocrypha, so I don't do the Apocrypha. But I do do Genesis 22, 1 to 14, and of course, that's the famous scripture where Abraham is sacrificing his son, which is a phenomenal foreshadowing to God sacrificing his son. Abraham was tested by the Lord and told, um, it says in verse 1, sometime later, God tested Abraham. Abraham, here am I. Take your son, Isaac, whom you love. Go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. And he's getting ready to kill him, and the Lord says, wait. However, in this particular instance, where Jesus is up for trial before Pilate, he he is not let go. He is not freed. The angel does not stop them from killing him. Uh, Jesus actually dies. But this is a foreshadowing of God giving up his son for us. And finally, on Holy Saturday, Job 19. Go to Job 19. Job is before Psalms. Job Job 19. Now, Jesus is dead. He's in the ground, uh, buried in a tomb. Not in the ground, literally. Uh, 19, 21 to 27. I know that my Redeemer lives, then in the end he will stand upon the earth, verse 25, after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. So he's dead and you still have faith. You still believe that the Redeemer still lives, that somehow, some way, God Almighty is going to do something great as we are in great mourning over the loss of uh, Jesus and his death. So those are the Old Testament scriptures. Zechariah 9, 12, and 13, beautiful scriptures. Jeremiah 12, 15, 17, and 20, and then the great scripture in Genesis 22. And Job 19, trusts in the Lord. All right, let's see what we have in the New Testament. Uh, Philippians 3, 1 to 14, starting Monday with Philippians 3, 1 to 14, This is the book of Philippians. This is Paul's letter to the Philippians. Paul is in jail. Uh, I've spoken about Philippians many times. He tells them to rejoice in the Lord. But he says in verse seven, whatever was to my profit, I now consider a loss for Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss comparing to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God is by faith. Paul had some extraordinarily great qualities as a Pharisee and as a follower of God. He was very um, significant in his ability to keep the law. He was the best of the best. But once he met Christ on the road to Damascus, Acts chapter 9, he found out in comparison he was nothing. And now, what he thought was gain was actually a loss. And so Christ became the most important thing to him. So why would that be significant during Holy Week? What's the value of Christ in your life? What is the value? How important is he to you? As you go through this Holy Week in the scriptures, as we walk to his death, what is and we know that he's resurrection from the dead. We know that happens, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And people attest to it in 1 Corinthians 15. He's seen by many people. What is your view of him? What? How do you now see him? How are you going to now live for him? Philippians 3, 15 to 21. All of us who are mature should take a view of these things. And this he talks about pressing on uh, to, in Christ Jesus uh, and giving everything you have to follow him. He says all of us, verse 15, who are mature should um, take a view of this. As to some who think differently, that too God will make clear to you, only let us live up to what we've already attained. We should forget what is ha- behind and strain toward what is ahead, pressing on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called us heavenward, heavenward in Christ Jesus. So Paul is kind of looking at the whole thing, looking at his life, looking at what he's accomplished, looking what happened before he met Christ, Acts chapter 9 again, on the road to Damascus, looking at his life in Christ, and he's trying to evaluate the significance of it. And that's a good time to do that during Holy Week as you think about <clears throat> your relationship with Christ and you think about the value of that relationship and the significance of that relationship. He says our citizenship is in heaven, and we should eagerly await a savior from there. Chapter 3, verse 20, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Our citizenship is in heaven, folks. Ultimately, it's not on this planet. It's not on earth. Continuing on in chapter 4, he says in verse 4, I rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Rejoice and be glad. Let God's peace come cross you. Do not be anxious about everything. Finally, brothers, whatever is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, think about these things. So, Philippians 3 and 4 are talking about a lifestyle change and a series of decisions that you make as a Christian based on what Christ has done for you on the cross. And the relationship that you now want to have with him based on that relationship, based on, that, um, based on the truth of Christianity and what the doctrine teaches, and it's teaching us to have a relationship with him, you're evaluating that relationship, which is also a good thing to do during Holy Week. You're evaluating where you are before God. In the midst of this horrendous crisis where Christ is brought up, and uh, unjustly accused and unjustly crucified. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and 11 on Monday Thursday, those two scriptures have to do with holy eucharist, what some churches call holy eucharist, some denominations uh, holy communion, and it has to do with um the rite of Holy Communion and the importance of Holy Communion, which is normally celebrated on Maundy Thursday. So that's why those scriptures are there and the importance of Holy Communion. Those are wonderful scriptures. Now, finally, we go to Good Friday, 1 Peter 1, 10 to 20. Let's look at that. 1 Peter 1, 10 to 20. 1 Peter 1, 10 to 20. He says... Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that has come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. The suffering of Christ and then the glories that would follow. So first there's suffering and then there's glory. There's suffering and there's resurrection. But you can't have resurrection without somebody suffering and you can't have Death without suffering. So Jesus suffers for us, he dies for us, he's buried and then he's resurrected. That's the beginning of Easter week, the resurrection. So we have to have suffering, we have to have him die and there's something very powerful about that, okay? So you want the Lord to give you insight as you're studying these scriptures, during the week, these Old Testament, New Testament, and Gospel scriptures to give you insight into where, again, you are and I am before the Lord in Holy Week, but then what's going on in the scriptures? What's going on with Jesus? How is he dealing with this extraordinary situation that he's willingly put himself into? Hebrews 4, 1 to 16 for Holy Saturday. Hebrews 4, 1 to 16. Let's see what that says. Hebrews 4, 1 to 16. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Now, we have to have faith. Up till now, that's been inferred in my speaking to you about these scriptures that you and I have faith to believe the scriptures and to believe what Christ has done for us and the value of it in terms of our salvation. But if you have no faith, it doesn't mean anything, it's just words on a page. It's just words that somebody wrote thousands of years ago. So we pray that again, you're evaluating your salvation, you're evaluating your relationship with God, you're evaluating your walk with God, you're evaluating your faith. You're evaluating what you believe. This is in um, Holy Saturday, and it's a good time to do that. Jesus is buried. What do you believe? He said he was going to come back again, he said he was going to be raised from the dead. Do you believe that? He's dead. He's obviously dead. What do you believe? He says, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who is tempted in every way just as we are, yet without sin. So then, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Jesus has gone through extraordinary temptation. Whatever you're going through today, Jesus understands, and he's been tempted. He understands from a human point of view what it means to be tempted. The great news is he never sinned. Unlike us who are sinners, he is not a sinner. We should boldly approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and help and grace in this time of need. This is another beautiful thing about Holy Week. It's an evaluation of where we are before God. And any help that you and I need this week, go to Christ. Go to him and seek that help. Seek it at the cross. Kneel down. Lay your burden out there in the cross, okay? All right. John 12. We've been looking at the gospel of John, as you know, and we are toward the end of John, and he says in 12, 9 to 19, 12, 9 to 19, he talks about his triumphal entry. Remember, I've mentioned that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in 20 to 26, he talks about dying. The Son of Man has come to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the person who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And then he says, whoever... Serves me, must follow me, verse 26 of chapter 12. And where I am, my servant will also be. My father will honor the one who serves me. So in order to be glorified, that's another beautiful word, you have to die. And Jesus is going to die, and then he's going to be glorified. That's the way it works. In order to die, there has to be suffering, which we have spoken about. Chapter 12 talks about that. Chapter 12, 27 um, on, 27 on. Now is the time for judgment in this world, verse 31. Now the prince of this world will be driven out, but when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. He said, you're gonna have light a little while longer in verse 35, walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. The person who walks in the dark does not know where he is going. Put your trust in the light while you have it so that you may become sons of light. That's where we need to be, okay? We need to be in Christ. We need to be following Christ. We need to be in the light. On Monday, Thursday, we have the great John 17, where this is the last thing that happens uh, in John before chapter 18, and Jesus is arrested. This relationship that Jesus has with the Father before he dies—it's perfect. John 17, 1 through 11, 12 to 36, if you want to read the whole thing, and then on Good Friday, we have. John 13, 36 to 38. John 13, 36 to 38. Where are you going? Where I'm going, you can't follow me. Why can't I follow you? I'll lay down my life for you. Jesus says in verse 38, will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. He's talking to Peter. You're going to disown me, Peter. You can't follow me. You think you can follow me, but you're not. Of course, the tragedy of Peter, uh, in this uh, extraordinary story of Jesus' death is quite well known. In John 19, 38 to 42, which is part of his death, 38 to 42 is about his burial. And so he's buried. Joseph Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. And with Pilate's permission, he came and took the body. They buried him in the tomb. He was literally dead, they took him from the tomb, they stuck a spear in his side, they buried him in a rich man's tomb. At the place where Jesus was crucified, verse 41, there was a garden and in the garden was a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid because it was the Jewish day of preparation and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Jesus is dead. And so that's how, Holy Saturday, we celebrate Jesus' death and his burial. Finally, we look at Holy Saturday in Romans 8, 1 through 11. Now, that's an interesting choice, (laughs) an interesting choice for a scripture, because Romans 8, 1 through 11 is an extraordinary text about life in the Spirit and uh, what happens afterwards, much afterwards, uh, after Jesus' death and resurrection, ascension into heaven and seat at the right hand of God. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through the Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin. So this is what happens after this is all over, and Jesus is victorious. This is how the believer is supposed to live, walking by the Spirit instead of the flesh. So it ends on a very, very positive note. Holy Week is a wonderful time for self-reflection, which we continue through Lent, which you've been doing in the last five previous weeks, uh, contemplation, walking with Christ in those last days, thinking about the scriptures that are given to you uh, and some reflection about them. I pray that you'll have a very, very holy week and a very godly week and that you'll take advantages of services in your community if there are some on Monday, Thursday and Good Friday, maybe even Holy Saturday. God bless you and have a wonderful holy week as we prepare ourselves for the resurrection of Christ on Easter week. God bless you.